So hello guys, welcome to another podcast with me Sahil and my friend Anirudh. And like always, we have got the recent updates and discussions around the world of sports. And for today's episodes, episode, we have decided to give you insight about a sports sponsorship deal uh, with with regards to Liverpool. So do stay in, uh, till the end so that you would get to know about this amazing deal which happened. So let's dive right into it. As we have a lot of matches to discuss and a lot of things to talk about. Uh, and I think we should kickstart our discussion with uh, uh, the Liverpool City rivalry and the quadruple chances which uh, Liverpool seem to have right now. So, Anirudh, uh, your favourite club, your dream club, so take it away. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a, it's a really, you know, uh, something which, uh, you know, as a Liverpool fan, that I kind of cherish because uh, if if we are able to do it, you know, we will be the first English club to win the quadruple. But uh, you know, just realistically, you know, uh, you know, it's still very far away because you know Liverpool is competing against one of the best clubs right now in the world, Manchester City, and City are also one point ahead in the league. But yeah, I, I know it's you know when whenever I'm seeing Liverpool play in the past couple of weeks. I see that determination and the courage that the players have, and uh, I thought that they want to win those matches. So yeah, I think you know it's definitely, it's definitely difficult as such. You know, the quadruple talk is good, but it's still a difficult I think uh, you know feat to achieve because we still have Chelsea to play in the, the FA Cup final. I, I saw a photo of Trent. Uh... Carrying the league cup in his hands, where he had uh, captioned the photo as "One out of four done, hungry for more." So I think yeah. they all. I think inside talks are definitely that they are all gunning for the quadruple. Obviously, they'll not talk about it in the open, but uh, the chances are quite bright to be to, to if not a quadruple, then definitely at least a treble because. Uh, I'm not sure if City like will drop points because they have easy, very quite easy fixtures with the Premier League. Uh, but uh, Liverpool definitely have a good chance with the UCL and also the FA Cup. Exactly, exactly, and 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 the fact that you know City, uh, you know, they just missed out on UCL last, so this year they they would be even more determined to win. You know, if they reach the finals, and same if Liverpool reach the finals. You know, it is. It will be a very cracking game. It's something which I'm not ready for as a Liverpool fan because I hate, I hate when Liverpool play City because they are just such an amazing side. You know, they can just tear you apart yeah. in the in the entire game. So yeah, definitely you know difficult. You know, we Liverpool also have Chelsea in their FA Cup, and that you know is as we've already seen in the Carabao Cup final is also not a straightforward match. You know, Chelsea, even though they, they might not seem to be in form right now, but, you know, they always show up in big games. And uh, so, you know, again, uh, another kind of difficult uh, kind of match that Liverpool have to go through. But that is, you know, that is what kind of is the concept of kind of sports, right? I mean, if you want to get to the top, you have to beat uh, the worst moments and you have to beat some of the best teams. You know, in order to be crowned as champion. Yes. So, so yeah, I think, and I, I'm definitely uh, sure that the players, you know, would step up every game. They will give their hundred percent, and that is all. I think, you know, as a fan, 
you know we could all uh, look for and ask for and you know uh, if we win trophy then it, i think it's a really achievement but if not i think you know we can still look back into the season and uh, see some of the amazing games that we have played mm, like that but uh, like how like always there is this one point difference which always eats up with city and liverpool and it's so hard to <laughs> because uh, I was seeing this interview. Tops uh, like they had made a tribute video, and in that he said that we missed out on the league by some few centimeters because in that year when they lost by one point the league, there was a yeah. goal which was about to go in, and John Stones had just kicked it off from the line, goal line. So he so they literally said that it was hardly a few centimeters apart. If the ball would have been a little more like few centimeters like to the other side. it would have been a goal and we would have won it so he also said a very beautiful line which is which, which will always stay with me what he said that you have to give it your all but that doesn't guarantee that you will have it all so exactly uh, but you will have at least have a shot at something if not everything so if if that is the mentality which he has put into the squad so it it's quite obvious why everyone is you know that motivated and that energetic but uh, talking about liverpool and city what do you think that changed in the second game because the first game as we know that you know city dominated for most of the game but the second game looked completely different uh, i'm assuming you no know, kevin de bruyne and kyle walker might have made a huge difference yeah i think the second game i would say i mean uh, i think i think in one of the interviews again a trend had mentioned that you know uh, they believe they might may have given a little too much respect to city in the first half which uh, and which was kind of you know one of the reasons why we you know we drew that game because uh, i felt at times uh, in the midfield and back i think we were ex- extremely shaky uh, you know both the teams play counter press and they press really high and they press really fast so so you know players don't so so both the teams players don't have that much time to think through uh, you know different passes that they can do or think through what webs should you know if the player is coming at you 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 tend to kind of lose that kind of momentum and attention and maybe you make a mistake and that is how what happened in the second leg and uh, you know i felt you know if if the first half was something that we at liverpool you know could have achieved a little bit more bravely i think that would have kind of uh, you know it would have been a different game altogether but yeah i think you know but we still showed that resilience to you know come back twice and similarly city also did the same thing at anfield you know they came back twice and yeah. liverpool uh, took the lead twice and here city looked the, took the lead twice and we came back twice so it shows like, the resilience of both the teams uh, you know uh, where they were playing to uh basically get a win but also make sure that they don't lose uh, mm. you know position so so you know but yeah but definitely you know i, I would say uh, you know liverpool players may have thought that uh, you know if they if they were a little bit more brave in the half a little bit more quicker in the first half you know it would it would have been slightly different but you know same for city players as well you know they got they had lot of chances they would they would have felt the same way that you know if they would have at least converted a couple of more chances then the score line would have been a little bit different but yeah. you know i think overall you know a very high tempo match you know as always again you know between these two clubs 
mm-hmm. and uh, you know there's still you know there's still uh, five games to go so you know let's see what happens in those five games i think uh, it just speaks of the you know quality of both the sides it's so hard to get a like to for a side to win i mean it just uh, shows that how equally matched both the sides are and uh, i'm sure uh, the game or the, the FA Cup game would have been much more competitive if they had De, De Bruyne and Kyle Walker as well. Uh, it, it would have definitely made, made some difference. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, the other like if, if we have to hope for another encounter, it will directly be a Champions League final, and I know you would require uh, <laughs> an extra boost of oxygen to go through that game. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, talking about UCL, I mean. Uh, we should have definitely talk about real madrid as well because uh, they are as they have been called as the king of ucl they have definitely turned it up this season after missing it missing out in the last couple of seasons they yeah. definitely look like a team every everyone needs to beat to be crowned as ucl champions i mean those comebacks against psg and chelsea are not an it's not like a one time thing that definitely shows that they are really up for the kill and with la liga already in the bag the only goal they have right now is to win that ucl uh, and uh, i think karim benzema i mean hands down there is no other way balendor is going anywhere else this year it has to be karim benzema he has just peaked at like i have no words to describe his current form he's scoring goals like he's just having a walk in the park He, he he's just like phenomenal right now. I think definitely the best number nine currently. Uh, yeah, what's your take about it? You know, from a Real Madrid standpoint, I think you know all of us know the pedigree that Madrid is thirteen times UCL, you know, European champion. So which says a lot about that club. And uh, even last year they reached the semi-finals, but uh, you know it was a different environment with. with you know the covid just recovering and you know they they had a lot of uh, players that were aging and uh, and chelsea were just too good at the you know last year but this uh, year you know definitely with carlo ancelotti back it's a different kind of structure you know the older players are leading or you know guiding the younger players in the matches you know you can see modric cruz mm. benzema influence in the matches and uh, you know those kind of things and and you know the young players are also extremely talented to kind of take the team forward as well so so you know for those kind of things you know is what makes you know kind of madrid so uh, you know threatening uh, you know in terms of their game you know because you know you not see they'll always they'll go to each game for the win and they'll go to each game for the play even even in in yesterday's match against city you know you know what happens if you play attacking football against city right they yeah. counter attack and yeah. they will they will trash you that's how city is but yesterday you know madrid took the game to city even though madrid on paper has you know a weaker squad than city i would say uh, and they have a shaky defense as well but still they managed to score three goals you know and yeah. keep the tie the tie still intact and uh, yeah Yeah, and like you mentioned about Karim Benzema, right? I mean, he's he's been playing under the shadow of Ronaldo, Bale, yeah. and you know other other stars that were playing at Madrid at the time. 
but now he is getting the recognition that he you know deserves so yeah i mean uh, i'm not sure if he still a balander contender like he is definitely in the top 3 of the balander but it's still i think i i need to still see what happens because you know i i i still feel uh, you know the season that sadio mane has had with the afcon and uh, you know some of the performances that he's put if he yeah. wins the quadruple then i think you know uh, sadio mane also all of a sudden comes into the Definitely. contender of a balander so but yeah i think i would say like it, it's karim benzema i think he has a lot of similarities between what lewandowski was doing in bayern i think yeah. years back yeah yeah and now you can see him at the at i would say the peak or not even the peak but he is just performing exceptionally well and uh, and yeah i think you know a great a great great player for madrid and you know uh, would i'll be kind of excited to see next week what happens against city at bernabeu because uh, they are definitely motivated to get a win because they scored three goals but you know knowing city you know they can also score madrid as well so so yeah exciting exciting from the final uh, leg to yeah that's a good point you made about sadio sadio mane he definitely has the trophies but like the uh, more important trophies as well and if, if it's a quadruple then definitely it will boost his chances and also sala will be in the mix because uh, he is again had a very wonderful season with uh, uh, you know his scoring record has again been quite uh, exceptional this season as well but uh, well, i think just because of the fact that you know uh, like Benzema has put 40 so far in the net, and still yeah. the season is not over. I mean, and also the fact that he's from Madrid, I think it's always tilted towards Madrid and Barcelona, like Messi and Madrid players. So maybe I feel that can be another reason. But let's see what what happens. Uh, you, yeah, who wins the UCL will be actually a major deciding factor according to me. Uh, so exactly. also i think the fact that benzema has been scoring in a team which uh, you know ideally is not the best team in europe as such but yeah. but they are managing to put in performances that are getting better right exactly i mean, I exactly. mean even due to that fact you know it makes sense that benzema should be should also get the ballon d'or because he has been outscoring everyone else uh, you know in a in a team that is uh, on paper not the best team in the world okay villarreal villarreal yeah sorry so what 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 sort of predictions or what do you think it will be like yeah i think it's going to be very and, and, uh, before any predictions yeah. i should definitely give you know a round of applause for uh, good evening mr unai emery to get the club to a ucs semi final <laughs> i mean it's not a joke and they have also defeated bayern munich and they definitely look like you know they can they are like the serious underdogs right now so yeah Yeah, Bayern Munich and Juventus. I mean, yeah, so yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I think uh, you know, rightly put, you know, I think Unai Emery has done extremely well with the resources that he has, and you know, the way he is, uh, you know, getting the team to play. Uh, it is, you know, I'm, I'm definitely sure it is going to be a very tricky game because Villarreal. may sit back i mean i'm not not entirely sitting back in the sense that they'll just, uh sit back but mm. uh, you know i've seen case I, i you know i saw the first leg against bayern that they played and even though they sat back 
they were creating really good chances and they could have easily been 3-0 for the lap against bayern in the first leg okay. so so yeah so so kind of a football where they kind of maintain that structure of their formation but also play very sensibly and creatively when they are moving forward so mm-hmm. uh, and and taking like like for example uh, you know they don't uh, just pass for the sake of passing they kind of make sure that every pass they make is kind of adding some kind of value so so you know things like that i think is going to make this match extremely tricky because uh, i expect them to sit back and then counter attack us and uh, you know liverpool even though they won against everton who were sitting back i still feel that uh, you know sometimes liverpool struggle with teams that sit back and uh, so i uh, but i still uh, think that you know we still have uh, enough quality to get a win at anfield and so i'm i'm kind of going for uh, i'm i'm kind of going for a 2 one win for liverpool at anfield mm, i'm going for a 3-1 let's see 3-1 for liverpool because anfield is just like you know they eat eat the team up so um, even though how much ever the team is prepared villarreal but i think the yeah. crowd at anfield is something else so more than the players they also have to handle the the crowd and the, you know like the chants and everything as the atmosphere it's just something else and more or less semi final so it makes so, more yeah. more sense to you know the occasion also adds to the factor right when I mean, the semi finals and villarreal you know i think this is the first champions league semi finals for them yeah so definitely they may they may have nerves nerves exactly exactly that's right so yeah like very interesting game uh, it should be kicking off almost in an hour uh, but yeah we'll check it out maybe tonight or tomorrow morning with some highlights hopefully liverpool uh, goes through uh, and the quadruple stays alive uh, yeah i think moving on to the next topic uh, which is the huge changes uh which will be it is taking place at manchester united which was called out for uh, is finally happening ragnik has called the shots uh is being calling shots in every press conference so far i may not watch the matches but i do catch up on his press conferences because he is just spitting facts and it's so much fun to watch it because it's like you know the players the the fans what they want to see what they want to hear is just being spoken by ragnik is making statements like you know we need five players then he said no six seven eight maybe 10 players <laughs> that was quite fun because that's the absolute truth we have been you know since the downhill we the fans were like you know this is not working anyways so far we need a we need an overall there are like you know over, overpaid players there are players with no ambition there is no culture everything was just delusional at the club so ragnik has came in as you know uh definitely the results have not been uh you know uh, good but uh, i i somehow feel it's good to end up you know eighth and outside europe because it doesn't make any sense if you don't have a squad to play any european competition you will just go and get you know beaten up and then again you'll land back the same position yeah. maybe you'll miss out on some uh, you know qualification money but so be it that is the price the glazers will have to pay for you know not you know making a squad making a culture amongst the club 
uh, always been more of a financial uh, club and so on and so forth uh, so great like uh, i am actually not that excited as well because i know if i get on the hype train i'll just uh, and if it doesn't work out then again i'll have to wait for another manager to come in and you know get the squad going but definitely optimistic uh, because as a fan we have to look at look at things in a brighter picture so just waiting for these five games to get over and waiting for the pre season to start so that we get to see some glimpse of what the squad would look like who are this who are these players ragnik has been talking about to get get in and you know what is going to be like because the chief scout has left a lot of coaching staff has left which is great to be really honest it's all dead wood which was there in the club since a very long time uh one of one everyone are going to leave it's and uh, will be replaced by obviously ten hacks team so uh, we'll have to just wait and watch how this new era turns up and hopefully everything will fall into the picture and we do get you know these we do hopefully we don't get these overpriced overpriced players you know if there is someone who is even like uh, 30 40 or even 20 30 million dollars fine we can we need to have that you know coaching prowess where we turn that player into a superstar even like what tenag uh, has done with you know uh, a delayed or uh, even donny at ajax uh, then uh, who's the midfielder franky dion who went to barcelona yeah, yeah right yeah. Uh, yeah. even hakim ziak was very good when he was at ajax so uh, and even yeah. currently delayed as well like the center back matias delit yeah who is playing for juventus you know he's also really yeah. good and even yeah. like currently they have this uh, forward player uh, holler if i'm not mistaken yeah he's yeah. also trust, like he's also had a lot of goals so i like managers who you know literally take players who don't no one knows of and then they turn them into superstars you know that is someone we need because we cannot rely on every 70 80 90 million signings and then when they turn out to be absolute crap we just yeah. uh, go back to the board and blame them or we just you know send bomb threats to players which is definitely not a good thing to do so i mean there has to be a proper scouting method there has to you know take some major leaps learn from the rivals learn from the other top teams who are doing it so correctly uh, and uh, hopefully there is some new faces you know new energetic young hungry people we get to see at the club who wants to win every match who wants to die for the badge and you know it's not just about what Uh, money is getting included in your bank account on a daily weekend so definitely that i'm optimistic about that uh, and I, i actually hope that we also give a lot of youngsters an opportunity as in from the uh, united you know academy because it's been a long time i think i've not seen many players from united academy who have been promoted to the like top of uh, first team like playing in and out i think the last one was uh, Mason Greenwood, but obviously his situation is completely different right now. And before that, I think was Scott McTominay under Jose Mourinho. So it's high time we get Elanga. Elanga is now he is uh, you know we recruited him into the first team. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean he's done well. He's obviously done well, but uh, his chance has definitely. come out come out as you know a sub like he was not expecting because it was uh, greenwood's position uh, 
uh, and definitely now he deserves a chance to stay there and you know keep playing for the club. Uh, we also have really other good forwards. You know, we have Facundo Pelestri, we have Amado Diallo. These guys have they have like a lot of hype around them and they are they're actually good players. So you know maybe give them a run into the Premier League and see you know what happens. You know. Anyways, no one is going to expect Tenag to you know come and start winning. So just why not just try and see what part of the puzzle you know fix uh, fixes the picture and you know just try different combinations, see which players is there into into the mix and whatnot. Uh, one thing I really like is he has been like vocal. Like I think I, I'm not sure if he has given the statement, but the news and everyone has reported that he was quite you know, hands-on about who will come into the team and, you know, he wants to take charge of the uh, recruitment process and scouting and everything, which is great because uh, half of the time, if the players used to do it, they used to handle the players based on his, uh, you know, uh, what's his, like, following and, you know, what sort of uh, social media presence would he give to the club, this and that. I remember this very uh, clearly when there was a fallout between Mourinho and Paul Pogba. And Mourinho had complained uh, to the board about Paul Pogba, and he had literally told them this thing that you know, like uh, he brings in a lot of social media presence to the club, and uh, so like, and it's also like he gets he gets a good amount of money because of his social media presence. So the sponsors are more inclined with to you know to have uh, uh, like their logos on United, and eventually it will also be on Pogba, right? So. Yeah. So that was the reason Mourinho was just shocked. I'm like, is it, that's their motivation to just, you know, like make money out of all this thing? Then what's the point? And even recently, uh, Pogba's manager had given a uh, statement. You know, Ravel had given a statement where he said uh, the contract is there on the table, but uh, Paul will decide what to do about it. And uh, Manchester knows that if he leaves, they will lose at least 50 million a year or something like that out of sponsorships and everything else. So, so that is something they'll have to decide because you're not, I mean, you're not getting a lot of the, out of the player and on the pitch. So yeah, that's how does it make sense? Yeah. Ex- that's the point, right? So no, the point is like no, just because of his Instagram following, you know, and he's more of a showpiece, like just like a Neymar. So yeah. even if he plays, he doesn't play. His followers stay intact, and if he is a United player, right? So all the sponsorships which comes in for United eventually also goes on Pogba's T-shirt, or you know if Pogba is doing an advertisement from United through the through the for the other brands. So in yeah. a way, they get him. It's a scoop. They get him as well with it, and United can you know actually use Pogba's position to like you know raise that uh, amount of sponsorship money. And even they would do more because Ronaldo is also part now. So imagine yeah. saying that we have Ronaldo and Pogba, the two most followed footballers. It is like the absolute crap thing to, you know, have players for. You can't just have someone based on their Instagram followers. That is why I, I like, you know, completely relate when Klopp had said that they are just building a Disneyland. Completely makes yeah. sense. I mean, who would, who, which manager would go to a club? Which has ambitions to keep players based on their Instagram followers. It's absolute bullshit, to be really honest. And uh, yeah, I mean, unless unless you are Messi or Ronaldo, you know, it, it yeah, yeah, it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't really make sense, right? And uh, uh, and plus, like United, you know, I would say United has the biggest fan 
following in the entire world. Yeah. I mean, they have been growing organically for so many years that even if you lose Paul Pogba, you know there are going to be all the exactly same number of fans who are still going mm. to support United. That's that's definitely true. That's definitely true because and obviously as yeah, it has to be no player is no player has to be bigger than the club. I remember Ferguson being in charge. You know there was a feud between Ferguson and uh, David Beckham. He threw a shoe at him. Uh, and no, like no study tantrums were uh, you know ever tolerated. It was always the club is bigger than the player. You either follow the rules or get out. Get out. And literally, Beckham was out the next transfer window. Uh, up to the end of the season, he went to Real Madrid. And uh, Ferguson was like, "Yeah, fine, no problem. You can take a leave. I'll replace you uh, with whoever I get." And that was then Ronaldo came into the next transfer window. So the point I'm trying to make here is that you know the manager has to be basically the player has the players need to respect the manager and be af- I'm not saying afraid as in you know like uh, scared of him but you know afraid scared of the respect and you know if he says to do a certain thing we need to do it a certain way you know so we need that sort of personality and I hope Tenak becomes that personality and obviously that's it's always been. There cannot be a player who demands what he wants more than what the club is going through. So even with uh, uh, you know like lot of United players, like lot of United star players, no one received that extra superstar treatment from Sir Alex. You know if if they crossed the lines, they were shown the door, and that is how it yeah. should be. You know even with Roy Keane when his like he I won't say he was causing any issues, but there were a lot of uh reports regarding his behavior and his you know temperamental things so he was shown the door he was hardly that he was i won't say he was in his prime but you know Ferguson never tolerated anyone and that is why the club remained at such a you know uh, high position for all these years uh, we need a combination of man manager and also a tactician uh we can't just have a tactician we, we can't just have a man manager it's it's it has to be a combination of both and uh So far, all the you know news around Ten Hag and everything is looking promising. But let's just see how this ride goes on now. Because after Sir Alex, it's been David Moyes, Louis Van Gaal, we had Mourinho, Ole, and this now another manager. So let's so see how. So what? Like, like obviously there are going to be a lot of outgoings and players with Matic, Mata, and uh, you know other players. Who are who are you know for sure going out right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so like, what do you think? How much, how much transfer, how much transfer windows does Ten Hag need to rebuild the squad he wants? Because you know you cannot directly sell off ten players in one window and buy ten players in the same window. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean you can do it, but it's it's that you know Ten Hag would want to at least have. uh you know couple of months to see how much potential the current players have and if they can be if if he can help them improve their performance like, like you know suddenly yeah. rashford is one example where you know that i think maybe you know rashford is out of form right now but he he still has that capability and talent uh, to mm-hmm. to be to be a really good attacker right so i mean uh, so how much time like transfer windows or time do you think That you know, Ten Hag. Uh, that you see, you know, Ten Hag to build his squad that he wants. Then that would basically, you know, challenge for the title. 
Yeah, I think that's a good question. I would say uh, we we need to give him at least two proper seasons. So that is four transfer windows, according to me. If you're if you're talking about a like a squad that can start challenging, like make them serious contenders, you know. So I feel uh, at least two proper seasons because what I feel is the first season would actually be just go into you know uh, getting the right decisions into place because. Yeah. It, If the first few decisions are only wrong, then it's again a huge, uh, you know, a load of uh, decisions to make right, and then again go. Ahead. So we don't have that much of time. So even if and and he knows that no one is expecting any trophies out of him. You take a season more, it doesn't matter. But the point is that there has we need to just see a culture building up. That's it. That's that's what all United fans want. When they come to uh, you know to the stadium. We need to believe in ourselves that yeah, we are going to win. That is why we are, we are attending the match. That is why we are setting in, setting and you know, cheering for the team because we know we are going to win this game. That is what home games are for. It's not like any uh, you know uh, lower level, lower uh, lower uh, lower team will come and just smash us two uh, nil, three nil, three one, four one, and just we are just sitting there. That too in our home stadium, man. That's not that's not what United is and ever will be. So we need to just see that small steps, baby steps, at least in the first season. Where uh, even if even if uh, we finished it for six, six still, I would be really happy with it. But uh, we need to know what players would Tenag actually need exactly. One thing is that you know, uh, Ragnik has said that he has still not had a proper one-on-one meeting with Tenag, and uh, he has still went on went went on and said that we need ten players. Uh, so, but I think he 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 did not mean like ten uh, players yeah. like one like this this coming transfer window. Maybe over a period of uh, say three transfer windows. I mean, for example, from yeah. this June to the next June transfer window. So maybe from that you can expect ten ten players uh, going out and coming in something like that. Because that this one year would be just you know trying and testing who will fit, who will not fit. I'm talking about. See, there are some players who are definitely leaving. Yeah. Now, once they they leave, the ones who are left, even amongst them, are they are they fit for you know what type of football we are playing uh, under Tenag? Do they fit his um, uh, you know his footballing ideology? Should we keep should we keep them or not? So those decisions will be taken by the manager himself. Uh, right. Yeah, and regarding Rashford, I definitely feel he has a lot of potential, but I don't know what's happened to him, uh, especially since Euros or even before Euros. His form has just dipped very like massively. He was superstar, but he has not lived up to the expectations. Uh, ever, like at least since the season and half. Uh, to be really honest, uh, you know, if if we have to put a second team for you know like a league cup or something like that, I would make him start there or even not even there, because uh, he doesn't right now. He is not in that top level of form which you need to play. We can and we can uh, for a top level team. So I cannot like you know just tell that you know we need to we need to put him back to his position and trust him that he'll get us the goals. Because it's not happened so far, and whatever the reasons are, uh, uh, I'm sure Tenak will would definitely want to keep him because uh, firstly he's a United ball like player because we have you know he's he's been the part of the academy and everything and we would. Definitely would like to keep him, uh, but also at the same time, if he just keeps on delivering this uh, extremely, uh, you know, mediocre performances, it could 
just be another dead rubber in the in the squad and then and he his age is he's hardly 24 not 24 25 so i think if he doesn't deliver i'll tell you one thing he was down the line he'll be just called as a second jessilin man there will be no difference between the two he'll be in that same category of players like jessilinga who had the potential but he could not you know deliver uh, most of the time and he again he'll he'll leave on a free transfer to maybe a burnley or a west ham or some, some sort of that club but uh, yeah i think tenag will definitely give him a chance and he should definitely take that from both his fans and deliver uh, as per the manager says i would i'm more interested to see what happens with ronaldo because uh, he himself has his own ideology <laughs> now the manager would come in with his own so i i'm not sure how that ego will work the team and uh, even though like honestly whatever position we are in currently which credit goes to ronaldo because he is he is getting the goals you say whatever even whatever games we have won goals have come from him and uh, he would be part of the squad but i definitely i feel that he should you know accept gracefully that he sh- he, sh- he can't start every game you know yeah the reason is simple because we are, if we are building If you are building the the team for future, you can't have a player who might not be there in future, starting every game. So it makes sense to you know get him on at the 60th minute as a sub, or you know make make like you know <clears throat> give that boost to the squad at the last 30 minutes when you need a goal. And no how no better player than Ronaldo. I mean his energy, his fitness, his high his high jumps and everything. You need those sort of qualities, you know, in the last 30 minutes to get you that extra goal or, you know, convert those half chances. So I think he should take on that role gracefully and not, you know, crave uh, about that he's not starting games and this and that. We should put young forwards. You know, I would, I would like to see an Elanga. I would like to see an Ahmad Diallo or even a Rashford on the wing, and you know, have like new faces. And also, I mean, let's not forget we are not yet decided what's going to happen with Greenwood yet. so yeah. it's also a possibility that whatever he's going through those things are cleared up and maybe maybe i'm not sure maybe is given a chance to you know play for united again and whatever the guy is off the field i mean on the field he is a monster i mean i have i have never been impressed by youngster so much that as i have been with greenwood he is a he is a top talent only if he keeps his uh, head in the game and you know develops his talent more more often and not fall in the situation he is currently in so we need to even sort that out if, if he is back in the squad then uh, there is more hope because he is definitely a talented player who can shoot from you know, both the feet so uh, i mean yeah there is there there are a lot of like potential young players who can you know become proper superstars but they need to be trained they need to be coached and more importantly they are they need i don't know how to say this but they need to uh, you know uh, uh, they need to be shown that you know you, you can't get you can't put success in your head so early or right. never i mean to say you know you have to just move on with the match once you're done you need to look at the other one and prepare from it right from the very beginning uh, i feel we we get complacent as a squad very quickly i've seen this in the past 2 to 3 years the thought of players so hopefully that stops and uh, yeah like uh, this positivity and you know this people should feel that's what i'm basic expectation is when we pass people pass by ultra but they just feel like okay let's go and watch the match we are going to win 
currently that belief is only not there between people you know like we are scared to face teams like burnley or a norwich norwich uh, scored two goals against us can you believe that they are literally at the bottom of the table how can you how can they score two goals man? i was like that was that was it i was like this is something else if norwich is norwich is scoring two goals i was like that is why i am very like optimistic because i would love to see a number 6 uh, desperately just get any any one but get one because it it's we are we really require it uh, currently you know have you ever wondered why like harry maguire is so good with england but he struggles with united he i mean just just kind of from what i see uh, i think he's a better set of players around him and uh, you know that kind of increases your performance as well when you're surrounded by uh, better players so you know he like for example in in uh, england he he is you know kind of partnering with john stones who you know i think is a really really good i think defender and plus i think he has declan rice and Calvin Phillips, who mm. are also defensive-minded players, yeah. and so they try to close in the gaps, uh, which which you normally see in the United defense. So makes sense. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, you know, even Harry Maguire, kind of like like when you have a lot of players not playing really well, you know, it's really difficult to kind of. uh you know maintain your performance level as well you know how much you give if uh, if it does not work you know if other players are not uh, giving the best you know you're bound to always you know be caught in mistakes and stuff so mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it's also i think even for harry maguire it's a i mean it's it's a what do you call it? i mean it, it's a time where uh, he's going to be given an ultimatum you know under ten hag that you know you need to show that you actually can perform in in you know ten hag's uh, philosophy or you know as a as a captain and being a captain he needs to kind of step up his game for sure makes sense no i mean obviously you are the ca- if you are wearing the armband you have to put in a performance where everybody looks up to you right that's the like the basic job description of a captain if you yourself are not performing if you yourself are you know um basically just people are breezing past you and scoring goals and there is a problem with your performance i am not saying the the other players are also doing good but i am saying individually you also need to work a lot on your skills because if you are wearing the armband you need to have a certain amount of you know caliber inside you to you know play well uh, i am not play exceptionally well each and every week but at least you know block shots you know put in those tackles you know make those important uh, defensive decisions but it's just the it's been the exact opposite if you go and search harry maguire uh, highlights you will see highlights of not his plays but his mistakes yeah which is which is like and firstly i was like this this is just happening because they are trolling him or whatever but it just kept on going and going and going it just never stopped after every game there are at least two three harry maguire mistakes which are like horrendous i mean you cannot expect uh, any center back you know to professionally play like back. professional center back exactly yeah since <laughs> your know, last game uh, I, i mean obviously it was unintentional but he 
his boot race to Pogba's face. Pogba, Pogba got hit into the face and literally blood was coming and a little bit of all of that. And Pogba was so mad. He was so mad. He literally hit the ground so, like, so hard. And he was looking at Maguire with all his eyes widened, widened up. He's like, I, I was still, like, I still remember that last season match against Tottenham at home where United lost 6-1. And he was, yeah. he was trying yeah. to push Luke Shaw in his own box. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I remember that game. Oh, that was just, that was crazy. Yeah, like, and, uh, I remember Mourinho was in charge of that game and, uh, Mourinho wanted a center back. Uh, for United and uh, he he was like you know like he was asking for a centre back he was praying for a centre back but he was not given one and definitely it speaks volume that how crazy we like we need to have a proper defensive pairing also with Varane I feel it's since it was his first season uh, we can't and he, he was also injured and he didn't play a lot of games so we yeah. can't like you know uh, tell him that you know that He's at major fault. Obviously, like he came in, came in with such high expectations. Uh, so it would be great if in the, in the second season he can raise his game up. Because uh, if that happens, then we just need to find the sec like the second person who could pair pair like who could match him up. Uh, but if he, even he starts crumbling down, even he starts you know not performing well, then it's a huge problem because. He's on a four-year contract, and uh, if he doesn't pick up, pick, fix his game up, it's a, it's gonna be a huge problem again. Especially not, uh, you know, if, especially if, if we are not sure with what to do with Maguire, uh, and if you're then if the next centre back is also not performing well, it will be. And if you'll get a six, we'll need a other two at the back again. So, and and uh, Ragnik made a great point. I mean, we can't have Luke Shaw's and uh, you know. Uh, like that guy Alex Telles to you know start for United. I mean, you know, it is United. You can't have mediocre players at such positions. And to be really honest, Liverpool's second left back, what's his name? Simicus. Simicus. Yeah. He is much better than you know. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say better. Like like in all aspects from Luke Shaw, but he's at least slightly above Luke Shaw. I would say. At least with yeah. his pace, his crossing is like very good. I've seen in this place, you know. So can you imagine a second choice left back is better than your first choice experienced international cap holder left back? That is just, I mean, even our right back who plays at right back, Diogo Dalot. He was missing for so many seasons. He used to play yeah. Van Bissaka, who who doesn't, who just knows if the ball is. Two feet away from the striker, he'll just put in that slide. That's it. He gives you nothing when you when you go forward. He gives you absolutely nothing if he crosses a ball which lands right next to a player's feet. I will do whatever you say. I've never seen that happen. He will do nothing at all, and that's like it's horrendous because today's day and age, fullbacks are more important than your number t- eights and tens. That's where the web is. That's where the service comes from. And we have we have nothing, literally nothing at pullbacks, absolute zero. So Ragnik was right, you know. Let's build from back. I think uh, other than Deha, and uh, also on the bench uh, we have uh, a great second goalkeeper. 
uh, in between Dean Anderson. Uh, age is also on his side, but I I feel that currently Taya deserves that number one spot. And uh, the entire backline except uh, Varan should be replaced, or at least you know um, train Maguire to you know get back to his full potential. Otherwise, it will just we'll keep conceding and conceding. No matter how many scores are, no matter how many goals are scored at the other end, if the defense is shaken, you know even like Liverpool take Liverpool's example, they went all out on Allison, they went all out on Van Dijk because they know no matter you know how you know, how many goals Salah, Mane, and Firmino score, since the defense is not there, you will never win titles. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, let's see what happens with United. And yeah, I think that brings us to our last segment of the podcast as we had discussed at the beginning that we would be, you know, uh, letting you guys know about a small sponsorship story which happened with Liverpool uh, and between Nike and the third person was, a third wheeling was done by New Balance. So, Anirudh, would you like to start off? So yeah, I think, you know, in this story... Uh... You know, it kind of picks up from the Champions League, uh, you know, winning uh, season, the 2018. And then, you know, later, uh, so at that time, Liverpool's main uh, T-shirt sponsor was New Balance. And, uh, you know, New Balance, we took over New Balance, you know, after Adidas that we had back in, you know, around 2012, 2013 uh, seasons. And then, you know, we started moving to New Balance. New Balance. Uh, you know, with every sponsor, you know, on the T-shirt, you know, you, uh, you know, get you, you know, the, the the brand pays the compensation to the club, uh, you know, to kind of have that sponsor on the T-shirt. And the New Balance, you know, has been paying a good 45 million, you know, the, the at least the latest contract that they had with Liverpool was around 45 million. And with, you know, Liverpool's successes, you know, uh, you know, winning Champions League, uh, and then later on to, you know, winning the Premier League. I think, uh, you know, that kind of increased the visibility of the club. And, uh, and you know, just, you know, you know, Liverpool sold like more than a million, uh, units of, of their merchandise in a year, you know, after the, the Champions League, right? And so, so in a way, you know, Liverpool started growing, you know, as a brand, as a club. And, uh, and so, and so, you know, Liverpool were kind of assessing, uh, the brand, uh, you know, the brand viability and basically to see, you know, if New Balance is the, uh, is, is the brand that could, you know, keep giving them the compensation and also kind of keep, uh, helping Liverpool grow as a brand as well as a, as a brand as a whole. Mm. And, uh, and you know, in 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 such analysis, I think you know you always look at what other options you have in the market. And so I think Liverpool were looking at Adidas, Puma, Nike, yeah. you know, the, the three obvious uh, choices for any sports teams, right? Yeah. And so I would say, uh, so I think you know the deal with Adidas was not possible because you know they were already our sponsors, and uh, you know at the time I think Adidas uh, felt that. Uh, you know, Liverpool, the value of Liverpool was a bit more overvalued for the compensation that they were, uh, mm-hmm. paying. And so they backed out from the deal. And then, you know, it was between Puma and, uh, Nike that the options were. And with Puma, you know, they had just made, uh, a huge deal with Manchester City, uh, that is the biggest rivals. And so they were not in a position to, 
kind of uh, you know uh, get into a contract with Liverpool at the time. And so the kind of the only option that Liverpool had was either to stay with New Balance or choose Nike. Yeah. And uh, you know, from a pure, I would say, monetary perspective, Nike was, uh, you know, I would say was giving only a base compensation of thirty million per year, whereas yeah. New ba- New Balances at the time contract was forty five million per year. Yeah. And uh, and so New Balance had this. Clause in their uh, contract that is matching Nike, price. Nike was yeah. also like offering thirty million, but they were also offering marketing and twenty percent royalties with that. Exactly. So eventually, what happened? The price actually went up to till seventy million, and uh, New Balance were on forty-five. So they now had to ma- they had the match to write, and they did. Like they yeah. they went and they matched it with seventy million, uh, like. 70 million option, but then uh, Nike had different plans. Uh, so basically, so when Liverpool were like, we want Nike, but New Balance were like, we have a contract, and you need to respect that. And I am already used my match to write the offer. So so this went to court, and uh, I think Liverpool were represented on behalf of uh, Guy Malpas, and he's very well known among sports fans. Because uh, the sports industry as a leading counsel, because he had he was part of the investigation with the Lance Armstrong yeah. doping case, which took place, and uh, he argued that you know the Nike football uh, Nike offered Liverpool uh, to use three like non-footballing icons in the form of uh, LeBron James, uh, Serena Williams, and Drake. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, like. They had global superstars of that caliber uh, for marketing activities. You know who would promote the club, and that New Balance cannot match uh, these athletes' uh, star, superstardom and the power of marketing which they would get for Liverpool. Uh, so New Balance had no one in their catalog who would match up to these guys. So obviously the point Nike made was that we have these set of athletes who can raise the game even higher. Than what New Balance can do, other than the 70 million, and they don't have like they don't have anyone in their catalog who can match us with these athletes, and the power with power which these people have on social media and uh, the fan following and everything. So, yeah, and also the like like if you look at Nike, Nike has stores everywhere. Yeah, uh, like the opportunity to uh, sell your merchandise is. Like is more in Nike because compared to New Balance, but I don't know if there's a New Balance store in in India in Mumbai, right? Yeah. So, so you know things like that, uh, you know, also does matter because it increases your reachability, uh, in even the remote places. So Nike has reachability in kind of you know remote remote places in the world. So so you know even things like that in terms of supply chain is was also I felt was something. Uh, which was a competitive advantage for Liverpool as well in choosing Nike over New Balance. That's right, but uh, you know it also raised a doubt, like you know, debate. I would say that you know, will this sort of a uh, social media influencing strategy can be used to you know take trade deals, take uh, sponsorship deals away from rival uh, brands? Uh, because what can like how can you even measure influencers? 
you know like social media followers and you know added values and revenue growth these are just these can these keep changing and you know these are not any fixed uh, kpis to you know measure how influencer of certain athletes so this sort of a debate uh, had raised after this uh, you know this controversy which happened but i think eventually the case got settled down and nike and liverpool were the beneficiary and as we all know that liverpool don the nike kit uh, with all its support and glory so like that was Yeah, I'm still waiting for uh, Nike to give us Mbappe, but that is not yet done. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. I mean, there has to be some sort of you know backroom deal happening somewhere. I'm sure uh, because uh, oh yeah, we should we we forgot to mention the Haaland transfer to Manchester City. That is going to be quite exciting coming this season. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. We'll definitely talk about Haaland, you know, more. Uh, you know, when when yeah. his talks are finalized, uh, and so you know, we'll have more kind of thing when he moves to a when he's confirmed his club. Yeah, yeah. Once confirmed, we'll obviously have more in-depth discussion, and uh, we'll see like how it goes, and you know, what other uh, like what are what are the other transfers which will be taking place, and especially. The Mbappe is still, you know, swinging like a pendulum between PSG and going to Madrid. Uh, that will also be uh, quite, you know, interesting to see what happens with that. Yeah, and there's the irony in that that saga, you know, just like there's just a quick kind of thought on that, you know, like like there's this uh, really there's this kid Mbappe who want, who just wants to play football, but it's just that you know his brand has become so bigger than uh, himself. that you know it it no longer becomes a footballing decision you know uh, you know the clubs will not let him go because of the brand because of the money that he gets in and so on so you know a lot of other things also go into that factor which kind of kind of makes it difficult and you know you can you can kind of sense mbappe getting frustrated you know yeah. between these two aspects of his career Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a good point you said there. It's time to keep a watch on Fabrizio Romano's you know Twitter account and get some updates and hopefully we'll you know uh, get into the new episode uh, as early as possible. Uh, so yeah, I guess uh, you know that was uh, it for this week, guys. And we hope to catch up soon with another discussion pretty soon. Uh, thank you for your time and keep tuning into our podcast. This is me, Sahil, and Anirudh, both of us signing off.